Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. podcast about the James Bond movies in the run-up to the 24th film, Spectre. My name is Becca and I'll be your host and with me are two massive aficionados of 007, Chris and Dave. Say hi, introduce yourselves. Hello, I'm Chris. Hello, I'm Dave and of course it is Bond 24 but as we'll get to, we will be covering 25. <gasps> yeah, very exciting. I mean, should we cover the Casino Royale, the, you know, the comedy 60s? thing as well or should we just ignore that ever happened oh god no no because I, I have you have you both guys both seen it i yeah. have i've got it do you do you really want to sit through it again if mm. we're honest but then if we include <laughs> never say never again i think we should include yeah but never say know. never again at least is at least trying to be a bond film <laughs> casino royale went through like five different directors <laughs> It's so bad. It's bad. Oh, <laughs> I remember. Li- I, I remember liking it um, uh, on, some, on some level because it's just so random, and it, it, it. I think there's some jokes that are funny, but um, I think when you put it in context of of like the Bond series, which it clearly is anyway, yeah, it but it, it it just comes across. It's just all over the place. But um, no, Woody Allen's hilarious in it, though. I think he's the best thing in it. Woody Allen. Yeah, oh yeah. Even though. He, you know, I mean, it's got a wonderful but, score. It's got a Burt Bacharach score, which I really, really like. But when you say random, that is its history. It went through five directors. Different people made different bits of it, and then they stitched it together. But to be honest, I mean, I don't know what you think, Becca, but I think that people will watch along some of the films with us. Um, I'm not sure I want to put anyone through Casino Royale of 1967. <laughs> 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 Never Say Never Again, I'll apologise in advance, but at least it's somewhat like Thunderball. I like um, Never Say Never Again. We'll yeah, get too. to it. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I, I, do, I do actually enjoy Never Say Never Again. It's, uh, it's, mm. it's actually not bad, despite uh, Connery's hairpiece. But, uh, yeah, it has some good, has some good moments. It has, has a good villain, but, uh, yeah, we'll get into that in probably a few months' time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, to summarise before we move on then. Yeah, let's just review so let's just move all the films in the first episode. <laughs> it will be the twenty fourth official Eon Productions Bond film. When we get to Thunderball and when we get to Never Say Never Again, we'll explain why there's a Bond film that sits completely outside that canon. Um and that is Never Say Never Again. So we will be reviewing twenty five of them. But uh, Never Say Never Again will come a lot, a long way down the line because it's a 90, 1983 film for a series that started in 1962. I don't count it as a real Bond film. It's not canon. No, nor do I really. <laughs> no, it's not canon. It, it is interesting, though. That, I mean, it's production and how it came about. And there's also relevance to... I mean, one of the big complaints... We'll, we'll get to the various different Bonds in a minute, but one of the complaints is that Roger Moore went on too long and the biggest reason he went on too long was Never Say Never Again, which he's not in, but we'll get to it. There you are. That's, that's a reason for you to stay tuned to this podcast, folks. 
healthy debate. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So, um, so what's so what's what's the deal, Rebecca? We're basically we're gonna uh, look go go through each film for um, like starting from Doctor No and move way upwards. Yep, do it chronologically. I think that's probably the best way to do it. Yep. So, um, so we're gonna sort of like have a retrospective review, just kind of talk about where, what, what, what our feelings are, you know, one and yeah, the high yeah. points, the low points, what we liked, what we disliked. Yeah. Um, any iconic moments that stand out for us? Um, aspects that are interesting, like Dave, for example. I know you know a lot about like the financial background of the films and have a lot of insider knowledge. <laughs> well, I wouldn't yeah. say it's insider. Well, not really insider knowledge, so- but like fan knowledge. <laughs> Um, certainly the, I mean, the Bond films, I mean, when you think they started off being made at the rate of one a year and after 50 years, we were up to Bond 23, there have been various long gaps in the series and we'll talk to them. I think we'll talk about them as we get to the films in question. I mean, certainly when we get to Dr. No next week, we'll, we will talk about why Dr. No went first. When we get to Thunderball, there is a long, well, not a long story, but there's certainly a story around that film and the knock-on effect that had on the franchise. Um, Octopussy and Never Say Never Again in the same year. Um, License to Kill and Goldeneye, bridging an enormous gap. Yeah, that's interesting it's series, to look into. It, it's a series that's bridged uh, an awful lot of gaps. <laughs> Um, in, certainly in recent years, certainly post sort of 1989, we've had two or three gaps in the series of four to six years. It's a, it's a series that where the producers and the studios involved have rarely been out of the courts. Um, and also United Artists, who were the company that made and still make the Bond films in a loose way, they're a subsidiary of MGM, and MGM have had an awful lot of financial issues over the years. So there's a lot of stories around the making of the films why did we get timothy dalton when we did why did we get pierce brosnan when we did um why did roger moore go on for 10 years why is there a series that's right outside continuity with with sean connery in it all of those sort of things why did casino royale the first book not get made until 44 years into the series (laughs) into the history of the, the series We'll so you get to all of that. You're going to, know, you're going to learn so much about Bond. We're not experts. We're not claiming to be experts. But there are some very, very interesting stories that we know between us as we go through the films and a little bit of context to... By the end, we might be experts. Here in Strange yeah, I think we probably will be. By the end, we might be. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Um, um, so, yeah, what are you guys' earliest memories of Bond? Um, funnily enough... I, you know, I, it's it's hard to think of a, a definitive memory because I remember watching the like all the Bond films growing up. So I was it, it, it's firmly like cemented to be. It kind of comes like a it almost comes like a very like first memory where it's just kind of very vague and blurred and, and meshed up. But I suppose the earliest memory is actually never say never again. But but I but I know for a fact that's probably not the first Bond film I've seen. I've actually watched as a kid because you know. But I do. But in turn, as far back, the earliest one I can think of that is definitive is sitting in front of the, the telly in the living room, watching that um, that fight uh, like, over 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 the water and like two like side cliffs. That's kind of an indoor with people with like flamethrowers and grenades and Uzis and shit. So um, th- that was that was definitive memory but I, I remember just very kind of growing up I mean hell, I, I remember like 
thinking of uh, A View to Kill was like quite a new modern one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was quite like, oh, oh my god, my god, this is a new one coming out. Like, well, like <gasps> on, on telly, even though it's like at the time it was like five years old. And like, yeah. I, I wasn't even aware of uh, Living Daylights. But uh, yeah, and that, and I remember seeing trailers for um, License to Kill, which seemed like, oh my god, there's a new bond. Oh my god, this looks interesting. Oh, wow. And then, then it heard nothing about that since. And then I remember sort of being surprised there was Living Daylight. So I was like, oh shit, that's... But, <laughs> there are uh, yeah. these films, I must discover them. Well, yeah, but this is like, this is my childhood growing up, so... Chris, what was your thought? Um, talking about memories, it's obviously a little bit vague. Do you it remember is. what your first one theatrically was? Oh, the, the theatrically was Goldeneye, because I was way too young to remember watching... It have to be, because License to Kill was a 15 in the UK. It definitely. I mean, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it came out the same year as Batman. That was a 15 at the, at the time, wasn't it? Uh, no, so... Batman was a 12. Was it a 12? Oh, yes. It... Yeah, Batman was one of the first 12s. Yes, yeah. but yeah, there was a 15 on video, because I hadn't had a 12. Yes, that's They what... didn't have a 12 rating for years on video, yeah. 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 Um, down. Yeah, so... Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I was. I must have been what, uh, like uh, seven or eight at the time, and so my similar going antics wasn't quite up to scratch. Like I, it was still very like vague. wasn't as uh, regular as I would have liked them to be. But it was more of like a a treat every so often. So, uh, but my, but I remember there's been like. Thinking growing, growing up for school, it just seemed like forever going. Like, why are they making a bomb film? Why, 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 why is there no bomb films anymore? I love to see a bomb film. Then when like Goldeneye was announced, I was like, oh, yes, yes, Bond <laughs> is back. So it's very exciting to actually see like a James Bond film and a new Bond back. But, um, I, I can't wait to. I can't wait until we get to Goldeneye because it, it's long been. Well, I wouldn't even say it's a theory, but I, I certainly think. Goldeneye is hands down the most important film in the series after the first couple. Once that series was up and running and, and it kind of had its formula sorted, Goldeneye was just huge for the series. Uh, for reasons we'll get to when we get there, but it's it's where it when it was made, who yeah. it was made with, sort of budget it was made with, how long a gap there'd been, the relative performance of the Bond films over the previous few years. Can't wait to get to Goldeneye, and certainly a lot of if we're loosely the same generation. I mean, across the three of us, I think there's about eight years between us, but we're all loosely the same generation. And Goldeneye is quite an important Bond film to our generation. Yeah, I, I think so. I think because it's it's like a new branding of the modern Bond as well. It kind of like tailed off after Dalton, and then and then it was it was almost like a rebranding as like at what at what Craig. It was essentially the same thing that Craig did. It was like it was like a new branding of different Bob of a new James Bond. Um, Definitely. So, but yeah, uh, but I generation. I can totally see why Goldeneye is an important um, Bond because I, think, yeah, I hope we not had Goldeneye, then we wouldn't have had. Well, well, well basically, if, if if Goldeneye flopped, then that would have been it. That would have been the end of the franchise. Exactly. There would have been it no... certainly would have been it for at least another ten years. Oh, I, I can't believe with a property like Bond and the appetite there is now for I hate the term reboot, but yeah. reboot and trying again and everything else. I don't think Bond would have gone away forever. No. But it wouldn't have been viable for a very, very long time. And and when we get to Brosnan, I will be relatively kind about him, but I think I'll be making a lot of arguments that he was a very, very safety first choice. And that is 
very relevant. That's very much what the series needed back then. But I, certainly, I, I don't know. He, he kissed, very a, much a, he kissed a lot of dead women in that series. I don't know if oh. you noticed that. That's not Pierce Brosnan. He did kiss a lot of dead uh, women. It's <laughs> a horrible thing to say. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, he does it at least twice in his four films he did. Yeah. Yes, he does. We'll get, to, we'll get to that. But certainly Goldeneye. So, so basically, Chris, your first theatrical was Goldeneye. Yeah. And you'd have been about 12 at that point? Probably 12, 13, 13 yeah. 13? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, so, in my case, my first theatrical was A View to a Kill. I'm about six years old. I'm about oh, six years old. So cool. Chris. Well, um, my first Bond experience full stop was Christmas 1984. <gasps> I went off to... Um, my family went to the Midlands for Christmas. My uncle lived up there at the time. And I don't know if it was Christmas Day, Boxing Day, Christmas Eve or whatever it was, but around the Christmas period, the big film on... Well, it had to be ITV because ITV have had the Bond films forever, was uh, The Man with the Golden Gun. And at the same time, the BBC was showing Mary Poppins. And of course, I'd never heard of the Bond films. I'm eight years old and I'd seen Mary Poppins in the cinema. So I was totally, I want to watch Mary Poppins. But it was a very male household I was sat in. And they were totally sod that we're watching this. And they stuck the man with the golden gun on. And so, yeah, at eight years old, it took me till eight years old to watch my first Bond film. And I remember being blown away by it, largely more by Christopher Lee than by Roger Moore. We'll get to Roger Moore with me a bit later on. Um, Sorry, I I have to to laugh at that. Sorry. Sorry? (laughs) So you said, we'll get get to Roger Moore with me later on. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I had to laugh. Roger Moore. I just thought that. Raise an eyebrow there. (laughs) No, 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 I'm keeping that in. (laughs) No, you fucking ain't. (laughs) Um, It's too good, mate. All of us want to Roger Moore with you, sorry. (laughs) Hang on a minute. So I said Christmas 84, and I said thing, and I said... So, yeah, my, my first experience of seeing James Bond, uh, basically I was more taken with Scaramanga than I was Bond. And I think at that point I expected every Bond film to be like that. I expected every Bond film to be a personal vendetta against someone who was like a dark version of him. But I, I saw that film, really, really liked it. Roger Moore was James Bond to me. I wasn't aware there'd been any others. And then I remember watching a couple more. I can't remember which ones. Might have been The Spy Who Loved Me, something like that. Definitely, definitely um, Roger Moore Bond films. And then A View to a Kill was released the following summer. And it was back in that era where they kind of made a little bit more effort around the theatrical experience. And it was only little things, but I remember like turning up and there were huge cardboard cutouts of Grace Jones and Roger Moore, and in the screen there were as well. And... And it was a huge event. And, and at that age, I loved it. So Roger Moore was very much my Bond. And then we'll get on to Bonds a bit later in terms of, you know, what we think of the individual Bonds. But um, I remember mum saying I prefer Sean Connery. And I was, who on earth is that? Yeah. <laughs> and she showed me, it, it, she there, showed there, me there from was Russia a, with love. And that kind of changed everything. There was a weird kind of like a, like a period in my childhood where like like Roger Moore and Sean Connery were basically the same person. 
<laughs> it was like a weird, like, you know, I didn't quite connect the dots. Like, oh, different actors, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Well, of course, the, I, mean, I would have been the very first Connery there. I saw, I mean, sorry, the first Connery I saw was, like, from Russia with Love. And, of course, that's probably the most serious and earnest Connery. So you've, I've gone from late-era Roger Moore, where they're basically parody comedies, stroke comedies anyway. And I've gone to, like, From Russia With Love, where this young, physically fit guy who looks like he could kill you does a really, um, like, you know, a really sort of serious, straight story. And I was like, oh, that's James Bond. Mm-hmm. And it kind of changed everything. So, uh, so Rebecca, what's your uh, uh, Bond memories and and, fit and first theatrical experience? Um, it's a little bit hazy. Um, I kind of think I might have been a little bit too young for Goldeneye when it came out in the cinema. So, but I seem to remember going to see Tomorrow Never Dies. I suspect that might have been my first Bond experience in the cinema. I, I remember watching that and having a well, with my dad and having an absolute blast. Because I mean, it was like obviously around Christmas time, and we like all got like our Christmas trees and decorated, and we were like, oh, go go to cinema and watch new Bond films. Remember, just like, yeah. enjoying the shit out of it. So yeah, it's a, it's a really good event. I think um, when it changed from being a summer release to a winter release, it makes it all look more special because you can celebrate that with your family and your friends. Um, it just makes it a real event. Um, but yeah, I think as far as my maybe kind of first introduction to Bond, I think my dad might have had a hand in it somehow. Um, I suspect probably the same, like watching, um, but you know, Bond movie on a bank holiday, sort of wet jury mo- bank holiday Monday maybe, um, and things Spy of me came on, and I was like, oh, what is this heady mix of action, adventure, excitement, and some um, guy named Roger Moore in it? And yeah, from that point, I was hooked. I, I, I'm kind of tempted. I'm kind of kind of tempted to rock an Alan Partridge like thing where you're like, like everyone do that for the <laughs> oh that's true yeah everyone do this with your hands with, with like with in, 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 in black jumpsuits with with yeah with lemon piping lemon piping <laughs> but yeah i mean I, I was of the era that roger moore was james bond i didn't know there was another guy and you wouldn't think of it you you, you know you, you you don't watch a film in that era and said say who played him before you you wouldn't know any difference. So no, they were basically vaguely comedic films with a reasonable amount of action in them, but they went all over the world. And I mean, they were great. I mean, my my opinion of Roger Moore may have changed over the years, but I can still see that bit of the Bond DNA that sort of drew me in. Yeah, you can see it running in the thread all the way through the films, can't you? So definitely. So, what's everyone's favourite Bond then? That's is a it? big question. Or is, 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 is this like, I mean, who's, who's your favourite actor to play Bond? This might be a big, like an obvious question, but... This is quite a big question. Um, I read an interview with Mark O'Connell recently, um, and I think his answer was like, whoever we've got now. I kind of agree with him a little bit. Um, obviously, like, I grew up with, with Pierce Brosnan. Um, I didn't actually grow up with him, but <laughs> that would have been very strange. Yeah, Mark O'Connell's favourite Bond film is A View to a Kill. Yeah, I don't... At the risk of sounding really, really stupid, who's Mark O'Connell? Mark O'Connell is a super Bond fan, basically, whose father, as I recall, was Cubbly Broccoli's chauffeur. Yeah, that was it. If Mark, if you do end up like listening to this, because I think you follow me, at least... 
Um, do correct us via email. We'll give you the address at the end. But as I recall, he was um, he was a uh, his father was a, a chauffeur for Cubby Broccoli, so he sort of grew up around the films, and he just talks about his life as a as a Bond fan. And uh, the book's called Catching Bullets. But I do remember he has appeared on James Bond Radio, which is another excellent James Bond podcast. And I do remember him describing um, A View to a Kill as his favourite Bond film. Is there a reason why A View to a Kill is his favourite Bond film? Cause... I mean, I will say this for A View to a Kill. It probably has one of the best Barry scores, I think. Mm, it's a lovely score. Yeah. Really yeah, I just wish it was in a better film. But <laughs> Well, I mean, we'll get to Spectre in a minute, but when we when you listen to the spe- current Spectre trailer, there's a sting from um, Honor Majesty's <gasps> Secret Service. Yeah. It's amazing. You have to discuss and there's that no doubt. In my mind, and people may may disagree, but when I pick John Barry's John Barry's best scores for Bond, they're literally three of them in a row, and it's "You Only Live Twice" oh, yeah. on a Majesty's Secret Service in Diamonds Are Forever. I agree with you. You think of the respective films. I think that's his golden era, and and in that period, I believe I, I don't know for certain without looking him up. Well, I was having a com- this conversation with someone last night. I don't know if he won the Oscar for it, but he scored Midnight Cowboy in that period as well, mm. which I think he won an Oscar for. He was on a roll. So I, I think you, I think you're looking at John Barry's peak as a, as a as a score writer in in that in that time. But um, I mean, certainly, I, I don't know that he did a bad score at all. Anyway, just to bring it back to yes, favorite Bonds. Um, but no, obviously, growing up with. Pierce Brosnan as the Bond, I would have to say Brosnan. Ooh. What about you guys? <laughs> I'll let you go first, Chris. Uh, well, part of me wants to go classic, which is obviously Connery, uh, but my heart is in the camp of Dalton. I, I think he's, even even to this day, kind of uh, unfair. Yeah, there, There's kind of a sense of injustice for Dalton, I feel, and I... And I, and I, I look at the two films that he's done, and he just... He is Bond to me. I, you know, I, I think he is like the perfect Bond. You know, and he wasn't. I want, and I, I, I want more. I wanted more. I would have happily had another two or three films from from Dalton, um, even though no one else wanted them at that time. But to me, he just establishes what that character is for me personally, and he kind of like has. You know, in between those two films, he kind of. Does it justice? You know, it gets gets it right on all areas. So, um, Dalton for me. Uh, for me, I think it depends on mood to a degree. Uh, I, <laughs> the knee-jerk reaction is Connery. I, I think he had a very erratic era. I do think his first four films are gold, and, and I think they're one of the two golden ages of Bond, which. I'll, come, I'll warm to that theme a bit later on, but for me, Bond has had two golden ages, and those first four films, and Majesties as well, I suppose, was <laughs> it, but the, but, but the 60s. Um, the problem with Connery is he lost interest. I mean, you get to You Only Live Twice, and he's a little out of shape. He's not spoiling it in a little bit there, isn't he? Yeah, and then you get to Diamonds Are Forever, and sudden, suddenly at forty-two, he looks like an old man. He's doing it for the money, and you can yeah. you can see it in his eyes. And, and it, it's not a very good film as well, which doesn't help. But purely on his performance, he's all over the shop. I, 
the next name that springs to mind is always Daniel Craig, but I'm very, very reluctant to put the current Bond top because I think you need a bit of distance from the era you're in. Because I remember through the through the Brosnan era, he was the best Bond since Connery. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, now, really now we've got a bit of distance from it. With no disrespect to your opinion at all, Becca, that's not the majority view now. No, I, no. I, I tend to think if if he does the next one, the one after, and done, and they're of a similar standard to Skyfall or Casino Royale or somewhere between, I think he'll end up sitting top of the pile for me. Hopefully, yeah. Not he carries there on yet. Co- Dalton, for me, um, and I've never been able to fully explain this opinion. I don't know how to explain it. He doesn't. He's not a big screen actor to me. If you offered me, no, I, I, I get that he's not. A, I would sure you say he's not. A, he's, he's not. Like, he's, he's not like say Tom Cruise. He, or he, you know, you know. I mean, he's not like um, there's there's actors actors. There's like proper character actors who like get into like like a role and are just kind of like you can tell that they've they've come from like theatre. And they're like proper, like you know, not spent their lives in front of if if on a camera. The closest bond to him is Craig. Craig is is a little bit like a modernised mm. Dalton, but Craig is a movie star. Mm. He just is. He's he's got an awful lot of charisma, and also he can be ugly. He can be good looking. He can turn it on and off, and that's an almost undefinable gift. He's got that humour side to him as well. He's got a great sense of comedy as well. Whereas with Dalton, you don't. Funny lines. There are one or two I liked, but I mean, there's one in particular when we get to his. Just the cello, cello. <laughs> Just this cello. Um, that's, I guess that's probably not one. But... No, 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 that's no. actually a line I like. No, when it comes to Dalton and funny lines, I mean, there's one or two I actually like, um, and we'll get to them when I get when we get to the films. But there's one or two where it's he barely, you barely notice it's a funny line. Um, because he doesn't really sell it. If you did, if James Bond had ever been a TV series, I'd want Dalton. There's no question that I think I can see that. Layers to it. If he could bring layers to it, week in and week out, which is funny when you think like Dalton. Uh, sorry, Brosnan did Remington Steel, mm. but certainly my 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 object. It would be. I think Dalton would be my favourite. If these films weren't projected, there is something about Dalton that gets lost when you put it on the big screen. I think if his era was finished and we had another film or two of a similar standard, I think Craig would be my favourite. But the convoluted answer, I think, is that Connery still sits there Mm. just by nature of the fact that we've had decades with his films. He's part of the golden era of Bond. Um, Bond ruled the world in the 60s I mean it really did it was the Star Wars of its era um, but his era did not come to a very satisfying end yeah I mean I, I totally get what you're saying about Dalton as well I mean he, uh, he, even for that I was kind of like you almost kind of like changing my opinion or someone's like oh shit maybe <laughs> no, but uh, I, I think that I think there is like a sense of I, I, I do completely see what you mean about if it was a TV series and I think that's mm. one of the things why I like about Dalton, uh, I, you know, I want, I want, I want his character to come up on screen, and I, I and there's match with the fact that I, I felt that I think he, you know, he had another two, at least another two films in there. You know, I would have liked to have seen, and maybe would have, maybe not, not been like the most popular, popular at the time, but it may have grown in popularity, like 
like uh, as the years went on. To know his board better. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you'd agree with that. Mm. I mean, the, both, both films are erratic <laughs> because they're basically kind of like very toned. Like, it, like one one film was like a like a kind of lead on from Roger Moore, which would have been fine uh, if they carried on that tone, but they want to do something drastically different for the next one. And then that was it. So you had two Bond films, both completely different as well. So you had it was like uneven kind of thing to him. Uh, so what? He he's just lost potential, and I mean he came to the role at forty three as well, which isn't too old. But I think the average age is kind of like forty. But isn't, but isn't Bond meant to be like forty though? Isn't he he's meant to be kind of? If you look at the books, he's like 35 to 45. Mm. And in fact, their mandatory retirement age in the books is 45. Well, given the way people age now compared to the the 50s when they were written, Mm. uh, you can probably get away with 50. I always think you should cast Bond at around mid to late 30s in order to get a decade or so out of Mm. them. I think you'd have struggled with Dalton. I mean, by the time of Goldeneye, he would have been about 51. He still looks badass now, though. Don't. I mean, he does, to be fair. He's aging phenomenally. He's got to look at Roger Moore and A View to a Curl, you know. There's obviously <laughs> a younger, fitter man doing the stunts there, so... We will get on to stunts. <laughs> Apologies to Sir Roger, if you are listening. Well, yeah, Roger, if you are listening, I am... Which is just... If Roger, if you're listening, of course Roger Moore... Why wouldn't he be? <laughs> uh, why wouldn't he be? He's got nothing else to do. Leave that fourth wife of yours alone and <gasps> listen to our podcast. Um, no, I, I tend to think that... You must have that bit us, but... <laughs> Roger Moore is... I'm so glad he was Bond. I just don't like him as Bond. I mean, we get... we get. He's the fun he, Bond, though, isn't he? I mean, that's the thing with Roger. He's yeah, I mean, a lot of people often make the point about the humour in his films, but... They're not funny. I mean, you, you think about... I mean, there's a couple of lines, and again, we'll get to them when the film comes, but there are a couple of Roger Moore lines that are genuinely really, really good. But most of the time, it's things like Octopussy, uh, you know, the, the Tarzan yell. That's not funny. I mean, Craig in, in Casino Royale with, you know, that last hand nearly killed me, is funnier than Roger Moore ever, anything Roger Moore ever did. And yet Craig is, is this taciturn, unfunny, serious Bond. And Roger Moore's hilarious. Well, Roger Moore's not hilarious. There are, there's very little about any of his films that are that funny, to be quite honest. They're just in a much, much lighter key. But, you know, we, we will get to Roger Moore. He is, and I'll, I'll, you know, spoiler alert, he is by far my least favourite James Bond. Mm. Um, and I mean over Dalton, uh, sorry, beyond Lazenby, Brosnan, any of them. He is flat bottom. I consider him massively miscast. But I will say some nice things about him when we get there because he... He deserves it. <laughs> didn't they... Because he proved that there's another... Inter- he proved there's another interpretation to be done. Didn't, mm, didn't they originally want more at the start? There's a very... Um, you yeah, hear so it's it's different... gone um, Ivanhoe, wasn't it, I think? It was off the back of that. Or wasn't he too young? Well, it, it I, I guess it was probably off the saint, really, wasn't it? But, but maybe yeah, he was doing, the, the reason he didn't do it was the saint. He was locked into the saint. Um, there's been different. Was it the saint or the persuaders? No, it was no, the saint. Wasn't the, saint. It? the persuaders is the early seventies. Yeah, that's the one. Um, but he was doing the saint at the time. Another John Barry. Originally, I, I was literally looking at this today. Actually, 
Um, Harry Saltzman had an option on the films only for about six months. He paid about $50,000 for it. Bargain. And he needed to, well, yeah, it was really. <laughs> but as the rights were about to lapse, he partnered up with Cubby Broccoli, who desperately wanted to do the Bond films. He was a fan of the, the books. Um, at the same time, um, the name escapes me now, but a senior producer at United Artists was desperate to do the Bond films. And before he got anywhere near the rights, he spoke to representation of Alfred Hitchcock to see if he could get Alfred Hitchcock involved in doing a Bond film. That would have been incredible. Um, yeah, well, we'll get to, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll get to a film that's got a very Hitchcocky and overturned. Oh, definitely. I think I know which one we're talking about. Yes, it's Die Another Day. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Oh, yes, Obviously, that old classic. Spoiler alert, it's from Russia with Love. Very, very yeah, style yeah. film. Um, that never came to anything. Hitchcock said, well, for Hitchcock's people said, you won't get the rights. They're, they're, they're impossible to get. Um, if not, he probably would have bought up all the books anyway. Sorry? If not, he probably would have bought up all the books anyway. The right. <laughs> yeah, well, so eventually um, United Artists were approached, I think, or they did approach one of the two, uh, Broccoli and Saltzman. And by then, the whole Hitchcock idea had gone out the window. Although, thinking of Hitchcock, and these two stories often get conflated, they did consider Cary Grant briefly. Mm, yes, it that, was, that was post Hitchcock, but that was um, that would have been a one and done mm. if it had been if it had been Cary Grant. You've got to remember, Cary Grant was born in something like nineteen oh four or 08. Yeah, It would have been quite old. It would have been either fifty four or fifty eight by the time the first one would have come out. But then, oh, if you have to catch a thief, which is probably his most Bondian movie, I guess. Well, I don't know. I often think of North by Northwest. North by Northwest as well. So, in terms of like, yeah, anyway, I, I, I get his birthday and Jimmy Stewart's mixed up. I think he was nineteen oh four, so he would have been like fifty eight. Yeah. Um, and then they moved on to, and and it was Harry Saltzman who wanted Roger Moore, but he was tied up with the Saint. Um, and next, it was the fact that Terence Young had already worked with um, Connery. That when they were going through directors, they, they settled on, they, talk, they talked about several, one of which was Guy Hamilton, who we will get back to because he, he did three Bond films in the event. Um, but when they settled on Terence Young, Terence Young had worked with Connery on a previous film, and the producer, producers had also seen Connery in a film. So he was very much on their radar. So I think Connery was always their, their sort of, by the time they started seriously casting, it was Connery. But mm. they did talk about a lot of other people first. And Roger Moore was one of them. And I think Roger, Roger Moore, around the time of Dr. No, I don't think he would have been better than Connery by any stretch of the imagination. But it was more appropriate then. He'd have been 35. He's in the right place at the right time. Yeah, he'd have been the right age. And, and you know, I, I think by the time Roger Moore got it, he was almost too old. Um, but, yeah, so... He was looked at. The Bond series has a... Uh, the Bond producers and the Bond series in general do have a habit of remembering actors. You know, they, they talked about Roger Moore and ended up casting, casting him 11 years later. Sure. Well, the same... Yeah, the same with Brosnan as well. Obviously, he was tied up with Remington Steele and then a few years later... Ah, mm. Timothy Dalton's dropped out. But yeah. Dalton as well. Dalton was looked at around the time of Majesties. He was. They have a very long memory. Speaking of Majesties, no love for George... 
Oh no, George! George, George <laughs> launch a spirited defence of him in about six weeks' time. Yeah, I, yes, I, I will do the same. Yeah, I think I think we all will. I mean, the problem with Lazenby is that you only had the one film, and that, yeah. and, that and that was it. And in a sense, probably made the same as Dalton, but you know, with Lazenby had one film to to go, and it it just you know it's 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 weird because you can only really review Lazenby when you review uh, on the Majesties, and it's it's just. It's just one. Of the, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't help the fact that that how he was treating the the series. Like he, he was acting like a bit of a dick, and admittedly so. He did like he, he did make like a completely wrong decision because he just wanted to. Oh, well, I'm, now I'm bummed. Now I can get the fuck out and, and being a bit rebellious and and basically yeah, pissing pissing people off. Yeah. So. I don't know what he thought he was going to. Let's go and do something bigger. What was bigger than Bond at the end yeah. of the sixties? No, that was, was it. Do, what was he going to do? Join the Beatles? You know, there wasn't <laughs> anything bigger in the world. Couldn't really go much. You know, couldn't go higher from no, there. There wasn't. But I mean, we'll get to the, the thing about. I mean, I will say up front, it's my favourite film in the entire series. But when we get there, there, there's the general perception that it's like one of the best Bond films with the worst Bond actor. And I don't actually agree with that. I think there's part. I think he's perfect for that film. I think there's parts of that film he's genuinely brilliant in, but there's also parts of that film he's actually really bad at. And we'll get there. But it depends what you focus on when you watch it. Mm. Um, I, th- I think. But, I think uh, the problem is like people watch it and think, oh, it's not Con- Connery, and it's just like, oh, it's, it's like this weird outlier. Yeah. Um, but I, I genuinely love it. We'll get to it, as I say, in about six weeks' time. Yeah. Nice, I, I do love it. Well. Really? Uh, sorry, the one thing I will say about Lazenby is what a batting average. One film, and it's arguably the best in the yeah, series. Yeah, true. Well, that's it. <laughs> I think kind of um, opinion well, on it has just changed, certainly within like the, the Bond fandom as well, because it's a real like Marmite movie. There are some Bond fans who are just like, oh, it's terrible, Lazenby was awful, and he needed one film. And then the rest of us are kind of like, well, he's actually quite good. Well, it's like Dalton's, Dalton's like that as well. I mean, like, I mean, I know it wasn't popular at the time, but both his films are actually really, really good. Both are like really good bomb films. In well, my eyes anyway. But you know, so there is that as well. I don't know if you guys agree. Maybe not. Yeah, I think what we'll it is, we'll, we'll come to you know look at each film and on its yeah. own merits. Um, but personally, I think I, I prefer Living Daylights over License to Kill. But again, that's because I've not seen License to Kill for. A- a few years now, so but I'm looking forward to revisiting it again. The first half of the Living Daylights is amazing, but we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the, basically, this podcast is the podcast that we're, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it. So, uh, spoiler alert, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. So, where are we with Bonds then? So, your favourite Bond is Brosnan, Becca. Your favourite Bond is Dalton, Chris. It is. I would say. I'm Connery with huge caveats. We'll probably change and evolve as we go along. Uh, like, as we go, who, who knows? Dave might go. I know what my favourite one. It's got to be Roger Moore now. I, you know, yeah, you never know. It might happen. I doubt it, boy. <laughs> that nylon safari suit. Get online. Get to the Matterland sale. Yeah, see that there's one available. The, the, there's never been a bond. Find I'm catnip to the ladies, and suddenly I'll be forever grateful to Roger. <laughs> Dave on an island populated entirely by ladies went to him till dawn. <laughs> There's never been a Bond who wears a safari suit with such casual... <laughs> such a degree of casuality. Yes. Yeah. He, he rocks that safari suit. I must say he does rock the safari suit. And flares at the time, yeah. 
he's, he's, yeah, he, that was the fashion. He was the, he, so if, let, let's actually go through the Bonds then. I mean, our, at least our preconceptions. I'm not going to say anything about Roger Moore because I just have. <laughs> so what else? What so we've we'll we'll take them a bit out of sequence. Where are you both on Roger Moore? Um, I like him. Kind of brings a lot of humour and a bit of stylishness to the role. So it's like yeah, I kind of I'm I'm kind of with you, but I, I look at his uh, time as Bond a bit more as more fun fondly. So it, it, it it's that kind of thing. It's um, it's like I, I do think you know if you're gonna look at it as a Bond performance, it's probably like the weakest. Of, of the of the of the, of the series, it's but, quite but, far, far removed well, from the sort of and it, I, and it is yeah exactly. So it it's from that level, but there is like a certain charm and like and fun to be had, and you know, and to be fair, Roger, he does have his moments as well. You know, there are particularly he's the one. It, it might have been the only trick they had, but like whenever like the ref, the reference Tracy in the series, you know, it's like little oof, little bit of. Characterization of Bond is yeah, but but I like I like more when he's um, a bit kind of rough. I mean, usually he's very much like comes out completely just you know without scratch and and uh, you know and barely scuffled you know with the straightness straightness tight and done done. But um, <laughs> he's damaged by the fact he stays in the role too long. Yeah, but yeah, he should have went it, when we get when we get there. there <laughs> He should have. He should have went. He should have went uh, octopusy. That's the time where he should have like, no, that's it. I'm done. Is it, uh, oh, and it would. And it would have been a good yeah. one for him to go out the, as well. The spy who loved me would have been his last for me. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, yeah he'd have been. I think he was getting too old by the spy who loved me. But having said that, there is one absolutely cracking entry after that. Go yeah, on. Goldeneye. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's Casino Royale. Right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Post the spy who loved me, he did have a very, very good. For your eyes only. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I do think spy who loved me is it, Roger Moore's best. It's, it's the classic Roger Moore one. It's the one that's um, that is that, that that defies more as Bond. That's you know that that is just like pinnacle. If you're going to pick one Roger Moore finger. film, it is yeah essentially, it is pretty much like the classic, you know Roger Moore film. It has mm-hmm. everything. And even though it is pretty much like you only live twice in the plot, but <laughs> yeah, it's quite similar. Yeah. And they do it again for Moonraker in space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. how original! All three, all three of them, Lewis Gilbert. It's, it's the monorail trilogy. <laughs> monorail, monorail, <laughs> monorail. So, um, from Ogdenville to North Haverbrook, it's the monorail. That just reminded me of something we've we talked about offline before. When I think of Roger Moore, you know when you're watching The Simpsons? Oh, yeah. And, like, somebody says something to Homer, and it may be, like, vaguely intellectual. <laughs> and Homer looks like he understands, but when it cuts forward to his head, he's thinking about a dancing monkey or yeah, something. Yeah, that's Whenever I think of Roger Moore's James Bond, in his head, at any given point in the series, he's got, like, a showreel that's a mixture of the carry-on films and hardcore pornography. Oh, God. That's what's in Roger Moore's Bond's head at all times, because the, 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 that's the other thing. I actually find him quite sleazy. I actually find Roger Moore's Bond like you just imagine he just wants to like fuck at every single point. I think I'm not sure. I haven't. I wonder if he's like the most like promiscuous as well, because obviously when the 80s came along with Dalton, obviously you had AIDS um, issue as well in society. 
So he's probably the most chaste it, It's one. not Ooh. even the fact he's sleeping around. It's just the fact he's so slimy with it. <laughs> I think the but, other um, is, like, Yeah, I mean, it got a bit silly with Dolph. I mean, with yeah. Dolph, it was just like... If they could have cut that out of the films entirely, they would have. You, you got to have the romance as well, but I think the Dalton films found uh, they struck the right balance between like mm. being curvy and you know actually having a romantic entanglement. Yeah, it was like he, he, he was like the one girl Bond, wasn't he? It was like oh, yeah. I'm going to be able. And he, even in like License to Kill, which had two girls in it, the whole thing was like kind of well, they kind of had the whole thing where he had to choose between the yeah. two at the end. Almost so it was that kind of that that kind yeah, of level of like yeah exactly rather than just like oh shag both and <laughs> so uh, so I actually, so I actually really want to go and watch Adulton now. <laughs> See, my work here is done. <laughs> so, that, so hang on, so we've 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 talked about Roger Moore. You're, you're both bigger fans than I am. I've talked about Connery as. Cool. Probably still my favourite. Where are you guys on Connery? He's a, well, it's, it basically goes like this. Uh, Connery will always be the classic, the, the quintessential classic. He'll always be that. He's the first one. He started it all. Um, Laser B will always be the guy who did one, but he's arguably the best film. And uh, more, more will be like the fun bond. And uh, uh, I think Dalton will be the will be known as like the unestablished bond but you know the serious bond kind of yeah well be referred to as the literary bond yeah mm. they kind of like mm. you know mm. it, I, I don't know perhaps it's probably how you feel how what people feel about it but it's that it's the one that like that kind of the tail end bond the kind of one that didn't really sort of develop anywhere and kind of went you know some people might look at that as kind of well that's because Dalton wasn't it wasn't any good or 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 if you're like me, think well. Dalton really didn't have a chance. Um, he didn't have a chance. He really didn't. Uh, but uh, and then and then Brosnan would be the kind of reboot Bond, which is kind of weird because that's technically that's <laughs> technically Craig. But uh, Craig is probably the, the more modern area Bond. I think. Modern era, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, at the time, well, I suppose at the time Brosnan was modern. But yeah, he was, and I, I always call Brosnan greatest hits Bond. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, because he is. I mean, I mean. Like or hate Brosnan, he didn't bring a single original thing to the script to the to the table at all. In as much as he, he he's just a mix of what came before. And whilst I would watch a Pierce Brosnan film over Roger Moore any day of the week, and I really enjoyed him in the role, Roger Moore took way more chances with the role than Pierce Brosnan ever did. He's a bit more involved as well when it came to the script. And I think that says more about Roger was. I think that says more about the film. The, the films that 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 were being developed at the time. Personally, I think it was like it's more you, you, when you look at when you look at Goldeneye now, and I can't wait to talk about Goldeneye. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I apologise in advance to listeners because I'm going to be way harder on it than I, I think my two co-hosts will be. And it's not to say I don't like it. I think Goldeneye is a very good, very good film, but it's it's hold it's held up to a lot of people as like a top five Bond film. And for me, it's nowhere near. It, it's got an awful lot wrong with it. But the the biggest thing wrong with it that I'll never give it a hard time for because it's not remotely their fault is it's actually quite cheap. When you look at it now, there's quite a lot of cheap model work and back projection and stuff. And it's simply because Bond had been away for so long. That they they just it was a gamble. They put forward a fifty million budget for it, which was small. And that was quite cheap for the time. 
very, very cheap for the time. I mean, Tomorrow Never Dies had double the budget on the mm. two Um you know, we were well into the era of north of a hundred million pound budgets, and we had a lot of very cheap model work in Goldeneye, and it's simply because they didn't know what they would, they didn't know whether it would be successful. Uh, you know, they they'd signed off with one six years earlier that hadn't been successful by their standards. Since then, the Cold War had ended. Since then, since then, action films had changed massively. Map changed completely. The political map changed yeah. completely. So I'm not really meaning to give Brosnan a hard time. He's he's a greatest hit spawn because he needed to be. They needed to reassure the public that like they could bring this series back in some kind of recognizable format that and people sign on with. But he did but frankly, I think of the Brosnan era as completely wasted because they, they didn't do a single innovative thing with the whole series with the exception of making Emma woman that's to reflect modern times though mm, yeah absolutely yeah i i can i can kind of see that but the again the, the things though there was brosnan's work was kind of like a modern more with a hint of connery like a little yeah, bit. It was more of the comedic it, elements. It was the rough with the smooth element. As yeah, well. pretty pretty much. I mean, I, I think the the thing with Goldeneye is that they were kind of playing it safe because they you know they wanted it to be a hit, to. so they had to kind of like mm. not do things too drastically. Uh, mm. And then when it was a hit, they kind of just played off that and basically just threw on more action scenes based uh, in it, and the plot was like a bit more throwaway and fun. You know, I think that kind of equated to. What people wanted us at the time, um, and then then we ended up with Dying of a Day, <laughs> oh. <laughs> which still did really well. So e- e- yeah. even, even though everyone apparently hates it, the highest grossing Brosnan film. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So what about Daniel then? Daniel, I really like his Bond. Um, I, I love Casino Royale, which we'll get to. Uh, I I I kind of so. I was going to say support, but I I, I kind of um, stand up for Quantum of Solace. I think that gets a a bit harsh of a beating by some by by some. I think I don't think it's it's, it's that bad. Um, Can't wait to review it. Cannot no, that'd be really interesting. I mean, it's not. I probably wouldn't say it's it's not. It, it, it's it's a step down, but it, it's yeah. it's not it's not like oh yeah, it, but it does a little bad press, but it doesn't deserve. By yeah, by that time, I was still in the in the in the. In, in the series, I still want to see where they were going with the whole quantum thing. And, um, Cino- and, and um, Skyfall, I think, uh, is entertaining, but it, it's just too... It's, it's the arty it's bond, shall we say. It's the one, it's, it's, it's the big sort of, like, theatre stroke, like, uh, like, cinema auteur going like, oh, I, I like Bond too, let me make my Bond film. And it's just kind of like, f- like, basically throwing Bond memories at, the, at us while making it all very nice and glossy. But, like, kind of like, I don't know, it just feels too much like a tribute to Bond rather than being a Bond film. That's my main issue with, with Skyfall. Mm-hmm. I, know, I, know, I know it's like, at that time, it was like, everyone was just loving it and I I saw it many times because you know it's Bond, but um, <laughs> and it looked great. But uh, I there, there are certain things that just that still annoy me about it. But um, I'm hoping Spectre will rein that in somewhat. 
Uh, it looks like there's going to be lots of um, plenty of nods and references to past films, but hopefully well, not here's the funny thing. I mean, bit. here's the funny thing, and we um, um we suppose we can talk, talk a bit like what uh, spec what we expect uh, what we expect Spectre to be, <laughs> um, but the. I'll give you my, my example of, of what kind of, I'm kind of an, uh, annoyed because they, you know because uh, they, they go in the direction of like they, they take it kind of uh, and this kind of well Bond's kind of gritty it's you know it's all about Bond and his history and all this stuff which I'm kind of like oh, yeah but come on we've done Casino Royale can we just move on now you know <laughs> you know it's like yeah, but they keep going back to it okay fine and then like there was they've got the whole Aston Martin back or um, and, you know and then there's like a little line of like. Oh, a few uh, quips and gadgets, which kind of completely contradict what they did in Skyfall with like the whole whole thing of like, oh, what's the thing? We, you know, exploding pen. We don't really go for that anymore. <laughs> but in the next film, we completely go the other way. We're going to have him in a, in a car with loads of gadgets and all this kind of thing. So I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, really. I mean, <laughs> I I may be proved wrong. I don't know. I hope so, but well, I don't know. It's only just the. Uh... It it is it is. I mean, I'm, it, it, I I I may, I may be right, and then and when I see it, I might not actually care because I like it. I don't know, but we'll see. I think we're in the second golden era when it comes to to Craig. Yeah. The Bond films. Well, I mean, money is no guarantee of quality, both in budget and take. But the Bond films haven't been this popular since the sixties. Skyfall was the highest grossing Bond film, and also. The highest in paid admissions worldwide since Thunderball. Yeah, it was. So nothing since Connery has been as popular as Craig. As first Casino one Royale, definitely modern times as well. So break a billion at the box office. So Casino Royale is well a phenomenal film. I mean, there's been nothing since the sixties that stands anywhere near it in my. No, that was the real mind. reset button moment. I think as well as Goldeneye. That was the real like, rightness. It blows Goldeneye out of the water, Let's though. I mean, go, as I say, when we get to Goldeneye, I don't mean to to imply I'm going to destroy it. I'm not. Goldeneye feels like a classic Bond film, and it, there's so much about it I really, really like. But it doesn't stand on the same plane as Casino Royale. It just doesn't. Casino Royale is just it, a great it's, film it's in every way. Odd because it doesn't seem like diff- it seems completely completely different directors when it's the same director who did both. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's both Martin Campbell. Yeah. But. I mean, the other thing is, everyone talked about Skyfall being the, the most beautiful Bond film. Well, it isn't. And um, what? <laughs> uh, Excuse me. <laughs> it's obvious which one is. No, no, definitely. It's obvious which one I'm going to say it is. Mm. <laughs> Majesty's is the prettiest Bond film. Beautifully shot. Quite. Beautifully shot. Um, but the other thing is, I found Skyfall quite dreary because a lot of it is British based. It's quite kind of grey and quite. Yeah, I mean, you know, and they put. Daniel in these kind of very grey, sort yeah. of to evoke Connery a bit soon. Even like even the opening scenes when it's in you know in Siena and you've got the rooftop chase and everything. There's kind of like a a greyish brown filter Sienna's over it. And it's like, oh. oh, you're thinking of Istanbul. Istanbul, that's the one. You're oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. no. <laughs> um, I mean, generally. Funny thing is, I, I think both Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace are better looking Bond films than Skyfall, <gasps> and the fact that you might have. The camera behind Daniel Craig looking over a misty Scottish moor, and you've got you know a couple of establishing shots of like Shanghai and Macau. Don't make up for that. I think from shot to shot, the other two are, are more colourful films. They they choose more interesting locations. I just like them more. But the fact is, Daniel Craig proved that 
you know, I, I was sat watching the Brosnan films and I really, really liked them at the time. But there was a lot of things you'd have to give a pass to. Okay, she's called Christmas Jones, all right. You know, <laughs> well, we'll get to forget the casting a minute. I just mean the logic of some of them and the one-liners were dreadful. I mean, I mean, Pierce Brosnan. Don't know any Doctor Jokes. He got some awful dialogue to play with. I mean, he really, really did. And I'd forgive it all because he looked the part, and I and I did like his films. But Daniel Craig has come straight out of the the gate with a different interpretation. It does borrow from previous interpretations but it is of a piece of its own and they're genuinely really interesting and they're trying to do something different and you know the films don't just end with bond like just shagging somebody you know that they're, they're, they're trying to sort of play with the tropes a little bit and do something a bit different and you know at the end of skyfall when we're back with that office with the leather door and all the rest of it let's get to work yeah it's just I think we're in a golden era, but if Spectre's not very good, for example, and then he does Bond 25 and that's averagey as well, well, you're going to be sat looking at Casino Royale being blinding, Quantum of Solace has its problems, Skyfall I like, but it's got its problems. So, you know, it's very, very early to start judging the era. Yeah, but my gut feeling, my gut feeling is we are in the midst of something special and something that we haven't seen since Connery. Certainly, yeah, I totally agree. So, so guys, what are you? What's your expectations for Spectre? Are you do you do you think it will match Skyfall? Do you think it will match Casino Royale? Do you, are you are you kind of nervous? I mean, for starters, it yeah, you know, Christoph Waltz is Blofeld, right? Come on, it is. It is we don't we don't know yet. It hasn't been officially confirmed. Yeah, but yes, come on. Yeah, <laughs> speculation. Um, it, it I don't think that it will be. He's basically. Um, He's pulling a Benedict Cumberbatch from saying, oh, no, I'm, my name isn't Khan, my character isn't Khan. It's... So, spoiler alert, if you've not seen any Star Trek movie, it's he's Khan. Um... <laughs> um... Yeah, yeah, but let's face yeah, it, spoiler for who, doesn't that? Spoiler for... Spoiler, spoiler alert, for a film that came out and a few years ago, he is Khan. And, and that's the um... point, it's like, why keep that something like this a secret? Just, yeah, like, just oh, call him Blofeld from the off-star and just not just dick about, you know, no. yeah, rather than, like, a lame <laughs> twist that everyone sees coming, you know. It's like, okay. I think for, for all the... That's what I'm hoping. A, a bit in the trailer where he's like, welcome James, it's been a long time. And then his next words would be, my name is Ernst Davro Blofeld. And I'll be like, yes! And I should just explode in the cinema with delight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, yes, the thing is, it, it's possible to make good trailers out of bad movies and... and mm, definitely. Stuff, but certainly. It could tank. It could be but, whenever, we don't know. But... That full Bond trailer that we saw within the last couple of weeks is the best Bond trailer I've seen possibly ever. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Trailer, it is a pretty fucking a trailer, good trailer. I can't think of one that did the same for me. Some of the GoldenEye um, publicity was kind of exciting, but we've been starved of Bond, don't forget. Um, certainly, as much as everyone goes, out as, as, uh, goes on about Skyfall's look, I think it had a washed-out colour palette. And I'm looking. I'm, there's a lot more colour in this film. There's mm, a lot more of the official sort of tropes of Bond. Just little things like I'm not the biggest fan of white white dinner jackets. I'd never wear one, but it's appropriate. Like Craig wears one at some point. Yeah, it'd be appropriate. You know, it's got a bit of a live and let die feel and a bit of um, uh, uh, Connery at the start of Goldfinger. Yeah, I think that's um, the vibe they're going for. 
and the the best Bond films for me, and as we get through the series, I'll I'll. Re- I mean, my favourite Brosnan isn't Goldeneye, and I'll no, talk but... <laughs> about which one is when we get there. But the reason being that I think the best Bond films generally are love stories. Um, I don't want Bond to fall in love in every film because that would be absolutely ridiculous. But he fell in love in Majesties, and that's very top. Of, that's very high up my list. He did fall in love in Casino Royale, and that's very high up my list. And I think he's going to fall in love in this film. Yeah, this one. And I think putting Majesties in the score is almost a statement of intent. We never know. You don't know if that score is going to be in the finished film just because it's in the trailer. You don't know. It's not a Majesty's arrangement. You've got a motif. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's been at least recorded and orchestrated yeah. for the trailer, mm. at very least. I don't know if it's going so to I have to figure it will be in the film somewhere. We shall see. We shall see. And I was, th- uh, I was thinking about Bond in Love, and I, I don't mind it to a certain extent, but I think... I think they should. Uh, Sorry, oh. it's got to be done sparingly. Yeah, I was going to say. It, I think it should be per bond. You can only do that once per bond, and I think well, Craig's already done it. You know, I think you can get away with it if they, if you kind of do like, okay, so we had Tracy, we had Vesper. Those are the two quintessential ones. That's what that, I mean, that if, are, if, if if Madeline, as she's called, is his Tracy in this timeline, then that's kind of all right. Yeah, I think that, that would be well. That would be a good addition to the Which, series. Judging but, by yeah. the leaked script, she isn't. But uh, uh, oh, I think she is. Okay, mm, well that remains to be seen. Okay. I'll be on the fence on that one until the film comes out. Yes, we will. Be, we learn, we uh, remain to be seen, but we'll get into and, it until the next series. Yeah, it is. It is lovely to have Spectre back. It is lovely to have something evoking some of the classic scores beyond just the Bond theme. I think some of the looks look in the trailer is great. The casting is very, very interesting. Um, might we be let down? Maybe it's got. I, it's, I, mean, I think it's I got really a don't. good set of action set pieces, um, and mm. uh, might potentially spoil something. But I, I did read like elite something, should we say? And skip ahead twenty seconds if you're listening. Well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say one of the things that always irked me was like, particularly in Skyfall, uh, they could they, they they could have easily done it in in Quantum as well. But okay, whatever. The, the gun battle sequence at the beginning should always be there. Yeah, they must do should that. Always, always yeah. be there. And with Skyfall, it should have been done. I don't get the whole thing about well, in the first very first scene, we see Bond with gun, it just looks silly. No, find another way. <laughs> find find a different way to cut to cut the scene or 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 so or, or create, or create a new the scene. The gun barrel all, all you would should always be please. at the beginning. It's it's more important to me. To me, it is anyway. But no, you get yeah, the, 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 the gun barrel at the start. All you would yeah. have had to do is have the gun barrel open up to him stood at the end of the corridor. Yeah. Yeah. I.e. not that. That wouldn't look stupid at all. But things so it's not. It's easy. It's not the shot. You just see the end of the corridor and he just jumps out. You don't need that bit. No. You really don't. But so um, but yeah, but, but read, reading reading the shooting script, one of the things that really like I honestly went yes was it where it started with gun barrel. I was like yes yes yes. yes. Yeah. Can I can I just burst your bubble a bit? Oh, go on. The Skyfall script. You have to. Had, yeah, the Skyfall script had the gun barrel at the start. <sighs> 
fucking, nope. fucking it, Sam Mendes. It's not proof it will happen. Well, but, well, uh, well, for re- well, for reading what they're going to cut it to, it kind of would make a little bit more sense. It would go, like, okay, well, I'd say it's more feasible. No, I, I think they will. All I'm saying is... Yes, I know. It's not proof. The, the thing that I bought... The, the, this, <laughs> I've got a little bit of a pet problem with Craig's Gun Barrel so far. Go on. Forget Casino Royale, because I like the way that was cut in. But I don't like the way the blood comes down the screen too fast. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's very, very like CGI as well. inside of the gun barrel. Cause it's it, because it's it a crack shot. <laughs> and the other shot, thing, you're instantly dead. And that's it. <laughs> the two done that have been sort of classic gun barrels, i.e., where he just walks and shoots. Obviously, yeah, it is a little bit, it looks, it looks a little bit fake. The first one, he's walking way too fast. It looks like he's late for work at the. He's in a rush, house. quick. And the second one, he turns, and it's about like he, he looks like he's going to break into the robot dancing. <laughs> it's really like mechanical. Yeah, but, I must say I've yeah. never analysed his gun barrel sequence. Just watch it; it's really weird. Oh, best gun. Uh, <laughs> while we're at it, best gun barrel sequences. Dalton, Dalton, license kill. That is the best. It, it, it has the it has the right look. It has, I think, the score of it as well because you know some have obviously depending on the films they have different. I was going to say the actual shot is the same one as Living Daylight. Yeah, but the uh, but the score it's proper full on orchestra because they, they do vary in arrangements as well. Um, yeah, they do. Uh, but this one had like proper like the full dramatic like proper full like it had it, it the drama the the, the orchestra kind of like builds up to the to the you see yeah, see the white circle. Too. And it goes like you go, and it goes, it goes in the pop of doom, do 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 do, and then they didn't hit it, then they hit the the good. When you cut this together, yeah, cut his music in. You'll hear it's really quite urgent. It's like yeah. to kill. So Michael Kamen score. Becca, your favourite Lazenby? Um, yeah, Lazenby, I think. Just because it's so dramatic. And I think, does he wear a hat? He drops down on one knee and it's like, Pew! Yeah, he does. He does wear a it's hat. It's very cool. But I think we can agree the worst one is probably Dino of the Day. Where he shoots the bullet down it's the gun barrel. Where the bullet comes out, yeah. like, whoa, really? What's the point? It's... Although, although, in terms of in terms of walk, move and everything else, Brosnan is by far my favourite gun barrel. Oh yeah, but, no, uh, he's, actually, his Goldeneye, um, the Goldeneye gun barrel is probably... They're all the two, same gun barrel, it's just, it's just the variations in music. I would say, just by the music they put over it, they put they put a very relaxed version of the Bond theme over Tomorrow Never Dies, mm. so that's, that's probably my favourite gun barrel. That's a very brass song as well, one, isn't it? Very brass heavy. Yeah, the worst one is actually Connery, because he looks like he's going to fall <laughs> over his back leg. <laughs> he, he turns and like... That's a bit of a wobble. Pops. Yeah, it looks awful. <laughs> the you know the best Bond with the worst gun barrel, and I'm not a big Brosnan fan, but I actually like the way Brosnan moves. Anyway, shall we um shall we wrap this up then? If we must. <laughs> we talked about our favorite Bonds. We talked about our favorite gun barrels. We've talked about we talked about our favorite films as a preconception as we start all of this. Chris, what are your favorite sort of four Bond films? Uh, my favourites uh, has to be kind of one from Connery, which is Russia of Love. Uh, I think on a magic suit surface has to be in there. Um, License to Kill, and I, I do love Casino Royale. 
if I, if I was gonna put an extra one for more, it would be for your eyes only. But that's uh, but you said four, so <laughs> I, I said four literally because I'm aware we put them on Twitter the other day. Yes. Yeah, I still haven't answered that yet. Oh god. No, you haven't. You can answer it now. I can answer it now. Mm. Um, now. No. I know. I just did an Arnold Schwarzenegger, but yeah. Do it now. Do it now. <laughs> god, love Arnie. Um. So yeah, Russia love. I agree. Uh, Majesties, I agree. Um, and then probably Goldeneye. And then you're gonna hate me. Probably about Casino. <laughs> I don't know. It changes all the time. My, my favorite bonds always change. It's just yeah. every time I see it, I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Just, just or, say die another day and be done with it. Oh god. Mm. So <laughs> anyway, that's so my worst. Across the three of us, the deer. Across the three of us, we've got three of the same four. In that we've all named from Russia with love. We've all yeah. named Majesty. Sorry, I haven't named my four. I was about to. The same. They're in a different order. Majesties. At the moment, as we start this. Majesties is by far my favourite in the series. Casino Royale would be a very strong second. Then there's a bit of a gap to From Russia with Love and then for Licence to Kill. Um, Licence to Kill is probably the one that I would put in most often. Not necessarily my favourite, but if you said to me now, you've got to stay up and watch a Bond film, I would stick in Licence to Kill. I find it exceptionally watchable. Mm, yeah, um, and that, that's one of the good things about it. It just feels like... Oh, just and, and also, what's really nice, and probably more at the time, it's like, it it was something different, like Bond on Revenge. Yeah. Like, literally just, I know, I know they do it all the time now. All, like, they do it all the time now, Pretty yeah. much when he goes rogue, but, you know. A lot of people, can, I mean, of the four I've just named, if we're going to nitpick when we get there, I've got more problems with License to Kill than the other three. I think there's a lot more things where you can look at some really ropey acting and a bit of sort of TV-ish cinematography and so on. But it's just a film that flows really well. It's cast really well. Uh, Dalton is, it's probably, uh, though I don't necessarily concur with Chris that he's my favourite Bond, I think I would put Licence to Kill Up as one of the very best Bond performances in the entire series. Because mm-hmm. um, he's just, he's just so committed in that film um and he has great hair yeah <laughs> well no, not really <laughs> um so but at least but at least it's real which is more than what connery yeah. exactly. said so, as we, so we've talked about we've talked about favorite bonds we've talked about gun barrels we've named our favorite films at the outset i certainly can't wait to go through them and challenge some of these preconceptions Definitely. Uh, We've mentioned our expectations for Spectre. What's coming, Becca? Um, Yeah, weeks to come. We've got Doctor No. So join us next time. Um, If you want to follow us on Twitter, um, my handle is at our underscore view movies. Chris? Uh, You can follow me at Cinematronics. I'm at the Pasty Kid 1976. Now... What I will say there is uh, check out how you spell pasty properly and you should find my address because people in the north just get it wrong. <gasps> Shocking. <laughs> and and, and for, the, for those who don't know, like, you know, when it, when it really go to Dave's handle, his real name is Bond. Dave Bond. Yeah, that's so, not, He's Dave Bond. He's so cool. Yeah, that, yeah. That's and not, that's, that's not like, he's not like gone and changed his name because he loves Bond that much. Uh, that's just a pure coincidence. That is your real name, Dave. That is so cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he gets it all the time. When we go on to, you know, it's not like if we went on to Star Trek next year, I'll suddenly be called Dave USS Enterprise or something. <laughs> uh, is Dave that Kirk. Captain Dave Kirk. Kirk. 
Dave. Hey, actually, I quite like that. Sorry, twenty-two sixty-five. Every time everyone looks at me, I'm gonna have to like smear Vaseline on their eyes, so I've got that soft focus effect you get with like William Shatner. Um, cool. Oh, I've suddenly got no do Star Trek. No, we won't do that. We're on to Bond. Oh. So we're gonna do Doctor No and go through them sequentially. I'm presuming, Becca, we're gonna do Never Say Never again when we get there. Yeah, we'll yeah. do that, but we'll probably leave, we'll leave the 1960s Casino Royale by the wayside. We won't include that one, sorry. Yeah, a public service announcement, everyone. If you're tempted to see what the fuss is about with Casino Royale, don't. <laughs> um, what I would suggest... Um, unless though, we get enough emails requesting that we must, in that case. Okay, if you really want to see me and hear me in pain, <laughs> please request it. What I'll oh, do is I'll, I'll set up an email address um, and then we'll... Um, the listeners will we'll let you know what it is next next time next time <laughs> what i will say though is if you, if you do want to sort of follow along with what was going on with bond and time casino royale the original uh sorry the 1967 version done by a completely different studio uh not really anything officially to do with bond but it's got a really interesting cast and it's got Orson wells in it and, and so on Orson wells peter sellers um, david, 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 david niven Ursula Andress. Yes, definitely. Um, and so on. But the one thing I will say is get yourself onto like YouTube or Spotify or something like that and, and check out its score because it has a wonderful score. But it's you, a, you, you, you would have heard it before. It's prop, it is a proper classic 60s kind of almost Austin Powers kind of. I was going to say, I've been parodied in Austin Powers. Well, Burt Bacharach was in the Austin Powers films. He was. Oh yes, of course. Look who it is! It's Burt Bacharach. It's Burt Bacharach, and and when he when when he came out of um, being frozen, didn't 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 he have a record? Burt Bacharach plays his hits. Plays his hits. Yeah, and he's like, there's a scene where um, him and Liz Hurley are on the bus, and he's like, it's Burt Bacharach. Maybe, 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 maybe we should do Austin Powers as well. No, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, right. I, think this, I love Austin Powers movies. It's so the first one is so funny. We can do, we can do, we can do a, a special bonus podcast, I guess. On Austin we'll do Powers. them as bonuses. I tell you what, uh, the first Austin Powers was released in '97, so that would be it. Came out before Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. So between Golden Eye and Tomorrow Never Dies, we, we may do the first Austin Powers, uh, and then we'll take it from there. Because I, I used to have them on DVD, but I think I sold them over the years. Mm. Really, what like they didn't have a really long lifespan and completed, you know, com- com- rewatchability. It, it's weird. I didn't, I didn't like the first Austin Powers film uh, at first, but it really grew with me over like, like the, the last the, the the couple of years since that. Yeah, like it, yeah, but um, yeah, we 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 can do little things like that, and also you can throw in like you know talk about various aspects like Bond villains and and stuff like that, and <laughs> we'll do some other bits as we go. They'll they'll be kind of on a whim, I think, in as much yeah. as. We might get to a point where we've done if, something. If, if, if you want us to cover anything, just write an email and we will see what you we can, can do. Yeah, you can tweet, tweet any Unless, of us. Unless, of course, um, what you want us to cover is our mouths and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> In which case... Never! Don't do that, no. Um, but well, yeah, you, no, you, I, I think try. We, we may just cover the... We may cover the first Austin Powers film somewhere around the Brosnan era because, I mean, it takes nearly all of its tropes from the Bond series. <laughs> It's probably one of the best, one of the better parodies. It's a bit cheesy now, but it's, it holds up if you've got the schoolboy humour. It passes the sixth laugh test. Well, for yeah. me, with anyway, it it'll does. be interesting as we go through the series because 
uh, sequences from that film are taken from specific Bond films. So this is why I'm really worried evacuation about... complete is from <laughs> is from Doctor No and evacuation uh, complete. <laughs> and, you know, and the whole Doctor Evil thing is you only live twice, and so oh. this is why I'm really worried about like Spectre as well with the whole. I don't know if there's a sort of familiar issue going on there. It's like, oh. <laughs> well, well turn out their dad is Michael Caine. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> well, again, this is another one thing. Why does everything have to be personal with Bond? I mean, I was I was going back to why does Bond always have to go rogue? I mean, it's, it's like it's almost not, it always seems like a refreshing change for it to just be Bond's mission. Like, a, like, yeah, like at right at the beginning, like Bond walks into M's office, says, right, Bond, go and sort this out. And he goes, oh, okay. And then that leads on to the film. It's like, why can't it just be that? Why can't Blofeld... I know, I'm, I'm speculating because we've not seen it yet. It's not out. It's not being released. But why can't Blofeld just be a guy who wants to take over the world? <laughs> why does he have to be some long-lost just... distant cousin or some shit? You know what I mean? Why, why? just steal a few atomic warheads and just hold the world to ransom? Exactly. <laughs> you know, he just really wants to take over the world. <laughs> why Why can't he... much to ask. You know, but he, he doesn't. He, he doesn't. He doesn't have to have some sort of deep tying connection with Bond's, but like personal history. He doesn't. He doesn't need that. You That's know. assuming he's Blofeld. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, yeah, I'm assuming. Is, is, to be honest, just it just seems too obvious. With we can have, we can a, 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 the fact that it's Christoph Waltz, would they get him back for sequels? And B, the Nehru jacket. Yeah. Yeah. It's all of the jackets. Is he actually going to be like? A number two, effectively like a Largo or a Doctor No. We'll see. I don't know. I suspect he is Blofeld. Mm. But the fact is, if Bond's known him since birth, and he is Franz Oberhauser, son of the guy who in the books taught Bond how to ski, um, we'll see. But uh, will yeah, it be Andrew Scott's that's, character, that's, Max Denby? Feel the same way. Sorry. <laughs> or will it be Andrew Scott's character, Max Denby? No. The <laughs> <laughs> kibosh in that? No. <laughs> No. no, you just. I mean, I I suspect you're right, and I suspect it's Blofeld, and in some of the leaks, it's been referred to that way. So I don't know, but I, I think the the proof of the pudding is in what comes out. I, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with the personal thing every time myself, but I won't write the film off for it because it, there's more depth and attempts to do something different and make a character of this man than we've had for years. And I think if you went back to a Tomorrow Never Dies, where it's, all right, there was a personnel element there with Paris, I suppose, but you've just got a bog standard, go get your mission, get on with it, finish it, finish having sex with some woman, and that's it. I think we would find that incredibly two-dimensional now. Yeah, you have to have that personal connection now, I think. So, but I, I do, like, I do uh, like it when, when Bond goes rogue. Yeah, it is. It's Chris is right, though. It's virtually every bloody time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's every. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I I get it. It's kind of part of his character, really, because he is a bit of a he's a bit of a rebel. You know, he's a little bonds, and it would make sense for him to kind of like screw Wem's orders. But it would be it mm. would kind of be nice for him to actually like something that's, ba- that's basically his mission. Bond film, just as a change of pace. Now, yeah, <laughs> we haven't actually Back to had, basics. We haven't had a very standard Bond film since. Well, probably. To I mean, he's still going to do all this other interesting shit in the context of that, but you know, what I mean, it just feels yeah. like again, do it's like oh, oh, oh the bad guy has mm. got some sort of weird connection with Bond, or it, the plot goes into Bond's personal history. It's like yeah. again, 
the you know is, is it about Vesper again? You know, I mean, fucking, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I know, I know, pretty much. If, if they want to bring Eva Green back, I won't argue. But she's dead. <laughs> All right, it might be. <laughs> a, it might be a, a rather sister. nip. Admittedly. <laughs> Let me have a, By the way, a character's dead. Not actually Eva Green. <laughs> I just want to. I was going to say she's not giving bad performances on that. <laughs> uh, but be kidding aside, I think the casting's really interesting this time. I feel really pleased for Monica Bellucci in as much as um, she was nearly cast in another Bond film a few That's years. That's a real key for the series. I'm so pleased she's... Uh, yeah, but the thing is, the, the Bond film she could have been cast in, um, which we'll talk about at the time, I think, rather than spoiling it Shall now. I'll tell you about that later on. Uh, would not have been... I think she's going to end up having got the better end of the deal. Uh so that that's good. It's come round again because she was victim to some very stunt casting at the time. Uh, so yeah, it, it's really interesting. But I think I suspect that we'll go beyond the release of Spectre with this podcast. We're only I don't what are we now? We're two months away, two and a yeah. half months away from, from Spectre's release. If we did one a week, we'd only be up to something like The Spy Who Loved Me by the time it comes out, somewhere in the middle of the sort of more era. So we'll certainly go beyond Spectre. We may be done by the time of its home release, but we'll we'll do something week of release, and we'll we'll do some other things as well. We really don't have a feel yet for how long this podcast's going to run, do we? We're just going to keep on talking until it's done. <laughs> we'll talk until to we've done we'll, them all. We'll talk. We'll talk basically until I'm fed up and want to watch some Star Trek. You know. We'll, I mean, we were wrapping up twenty when, minutes when, ago when for starters. So. References start getting when the William Shatner references start getting a bit onerous. You'll realise I'm getting fed up with it, and we'll just whip through them. Well, we did decide this podcast to be called "Do You Expect Us to Talk?" So this is cool. But as I say, yes. Yeah, yeah, whereas up, obviously uh, Star Trek and Shatner, it would be "Do you expect us to talk?" <laughs> to talk. <laughs> this chair is playing oddly. <laughs> Yeah, all right. <laughs> Shout enough for Bond, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Whoa, that's a missed opportunity right there. Hey, it was nearly Adam West. <sighs> that would have been so cool. That would have been weird. No, it would have been fucking rubbish. That would have been that's very bizarre. He'd have kind of looked the part, then he would have opened his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been oh, alternate universe, oh my god. There are a lot of interesting alternate castings, and uh, again, Sam Neil for Bond World of Daylight. Yeah. the series, I mean, we may put some link in, links in the show notes, but um, certainly Sam Neil actually did a screen, screen test. test. He screen tested, didn't he? Yeah. I think we've all seen that screen test. Yeah. Mm. Um, there are two scenes. They every prospective Bond does two scenes. He does a love scene and an action scene. The love scene he does is always. Uh, the bit where he finds Tatiana in his bed. In, yeah, from Mission Impossible. What's the action scene? I've got a feeling it's something from Majesties. I think it might be. I can't remember which one it is. I think it might. Actually, I think it might not be a pure action scene. It might be where Tracy holds the gun to him. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Um, Sorry to kill you for a thrill. There are some very interesting casting stories as we go through. We could have had James Brolin. We could have had John Gavin. Who and I'll explain who John Gavin. You can either look him up or I'll tell you who he was when we get there. I know about John Gavin. Yeah, it could have Being been a John- huge Hitchcock and Psycho fan. Yeah, yeah it could have been uh, Timothy Dalton a lot earlier. It could have been Brosnan a lot earlier. It could have been Oliver Reed. Oh, he would have been more. Um, Pissed. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> inebriated. 
Yeah, you can imagine he's gone barrel. He just comes on and like turns, spins the wrong wasn't, way. Wasn't Collins in his ring at some point? In the camera. <laughs> wasn't um, what, the guy from the uh, the professionals, Lewis Collins, Lewis was he Collins. in the running? Yeah, Lewis Collins was in the running in the early eighties, and apparently Cubby Broccoli thought he was too brutal, which is funny because he would have been very, very Craig-like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some interesting stories as we go through it. It's a fascinating franchise, whether you like the films or not. There are so many stories about it. There's been law, you know, various legal cases. There's been financial issues. There's been actors who've had the role taken away from them and then it's come back. Um, there are interesting stories with people who've worked on the films and barely been credited. Um, Nicky Van Der Zyl is the name we'll come back to over the next few weeks. So, yeah, I think that there's loads for us to talk about beyond just here's a plot and here's what we think of the people playing it. Yeah, looking forward to it. So hopefully you'll tune in again. Um, Do you expect us to talk? We'll return with Dr. Note.